Hey, so I'm so excited. I want to share with you about one of our new sponsors, Starglow Media. They have this amazing show for all of you with younger kids called Mysteries About True Histories. Every episode follows Max and Molly, who have just been recruited into a secret order of problem solvers and on adventures through time packed with puzzles and hidden equations, histories, and laughs. You all know Alana, our co-founder at Sproutable. She listened to the show with her seven-year-old and loved it. They would pause the show and try to figure out the math problems together, loved learning about different cultures and the histories around the world. The series explores themes like the stories behind math, critical thinking, code breaking, pattern solving, and so much more. Math is geared Math is what they call it. Math is geared towards kids six and over, but can be enjoyed by the entire family. Episodes drop every Thursday, and they're about 15 minutes, perfect length for the car rides, mealtime, break time, bedtime. Each episode is stacked with so much laughter, and your kiddos won't even realize how much they're learning. So tune into Mysteries About True Histories math with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. Joyful Courage Parenting Podcast, episode 87. Joyful Courage Tribe, welcome to the latest episode of the Joyful Courage Podcast. I am so honored to have you here. I'm so grateful that you are showing up and listening in. You're going to love today's show. My guest is my colleague and friend, Lisa Fuller. Lisa has done some of Brené Brown's trainings and approached me about coming on the show and talking about developing shame resilience and what that looks like and how to foster shame resilience in our kids. And I was really excited. I just love the concept of wholehearted living and being really real and authentic and vulnerable and supporting people in showing up that way as well. So Lisa is a positive discipline trainer. She is a parent coach. She lives in Oakland, California with her family. And she's going to come on and talk about shame resilience. We had a really great, honest, raw conversation around what shame is, what it isn't, the difference between shame and guilt. We shared some of our own stories around shame. And then finally, how we can be in relationship with our kids in a way that helps them to develop shame resilience. Because, you know, most of our shame stuff comes from messages from our childhood. So why not be you know, ever more aware and conscious in our parenting now so as to raise kids that don't need to battle um, battle with their shame button, right? Shame is everywhere. You'll hear Lisa talk about this. Shame is universal. How we interact with shame makes all the difference. So sit back and enjoy my conversation with Lisa Fuller, and I will be checking in on you after the show. Hi, Lisa. Welcome to the podcast. 
Hi, Casey. I'm very happy to be here. Please share a little bit about your journey of doing what you do. Sure. Well, Casey, like you, I'm a certified positive discipline trainer and I teach parenting classes. I also work one-on-one with parents and um, do other kinds of coaching with people in their lives. So that's what I'm doing these days. I'm spending a lot of time working with parents and it's wonderful. Lisa, how did you get into positive discipline? When I'll, I'll try and keep this short, Casey, but when my first <laughs> son was, my first, no, my second son was two, three, I was really at my wit's end and I thought I need to figure this out because he's, um, you know, when he's 13, what am I going to do? And I, I knew that, you know, I'd have to come up with some long-term strategies. So a friend of mine was teaching a class out of her house. She happened to invite me and it was a positive discipline class. And after the first class, I just thought, this is what I want to do. And I have been, I was a social worker, trained in social work. So um, it's a very natural fit, but I saw this as a real positive way to work with parents. And so much of the social work I'd done in the past seemed to be, you know, more kind of steeped in negative. And this mm-hmm. positive discipline was about solutions real practical solutions. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Yay. Well, today we're going to talk about shame resilience. So um, to start, I would just love to know what got you interested in this topic. How did you find yourself learning and speaking about shame resilience? Yeah. Well, you know, because I've been teaching parents for years, um, I saw the connection. I I noticed that so many of us, and I could of course relate, feel that we are so we're kind of enmeshed with our children, or we can be, especially when they're very young. And it turns out that you know what their behavior is, we feel reflects on us. Mm -hmm. And even though that's not true, I know a lot of us feel like if, if our child does something well, well, that reflects well on us. Right. (laughs) Yeah. And if our child, you know, does poorly, then, then that reflects on us as well. So I was noticing that strong feeling in parents in my classes and somebody had given me, uh, the Brene Brown book, the daring greatly. Mm. And I just thought I have got to, I've got to make this connection. I I really want to learn more about shame so that I can, weave it into my classes and teach parents about this. Cause I think it's really important and it's not, it's not talked about. Right. So I like to go to places where things aren't being talked about. It's fun and juicy, right? Yeah, totally. Diving into the hole. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that's shame is right. Yeah. The hole. I love yeah. Brené Brown. I love Brené Brown. I remember it was about five years ago that a girlfriend of mine said, you check out this TED talk. I've been really digging this lady, Brené Brown. And I watched it and was just, I think I ordered all the books that were available that she had at that point and Mm -hmm. have been a super, super fan of hers ever since. So shout out to Brené Brown. I'll know that I've made it with this podcast when I can get (laughs) Brené Brown on it. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. That's right. Yeah, she's great. And she's so funny. So I do, I highly recommend those TED talks because she's a great... She tells great stories about her kids and yeah, yeah, it's really good. 
So Lisa, will you do me a favor and will you break down what shame is and what it isn't for listeners? Because I think there's a lot of different emotions that come to the surface in the parenting journey and it's not always shame. So will you talk about all those different? Yeah. So, so this is really important because I think shame's one of those things that we keep away from because it's so dark and scary. So it's great to talk about what it is. So what it is, first of all, is something that we all have. So it is universal. Every human being experiences shame and those who don't usually have some significant problems. Um, (laughs) So, so it's not a bad thing. Of course, that's the one good thing about shame. It means that you're a caring human being. Um, the second thing, and these are really from the daring, daring greatly. Mm-hmm. The second thing is that we're all afraid to talk about shame. You know, it's it's not you're not unique if if you're not talking about shame. And the other thing, the last thing, is that the less we talk about it, the more control that shame can have over our lives. So. Having it be part of our conversation is a wonderful antidote to shame because shame is really the fear of disconnection and what we're all striving for. And we talk about this so much in positive discipline, but is belonging and significance, right? And that's connection. Yeah. Um, so that belonging, that connection is what we're all hardwired for and being aware of what shame is can help us when we feel that disconnection come up, what we can, what we can do differently. Does that help answer your question? You want me to go? Yeah, no, it does. It does. And I think one, another way of being that often gets kind of misdiagnosed as shame is guilt. And yeah, yeah. And there's, those are two different things. So will you talk a little bit about the distinction there? Sure. So shame is, very much I am, let's keep it simple, I am bad, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas guilt, that's a self-talk, I am bad. The guilt self-talk is I made a mistake or I made a bad mistake, right? So you see the difference there in shame, it's me as a human being and in guilt, it's, it's something I did. So a great example of that is, you know, if your child... If your child comes home from school, they've had a hard day, maybe the teacher scolded them or something, and they walk through the door and they sit at the table and you know that they had a hard day because the teacher, you know, emailed you, Mm -hmm. but they sit at the table and they're just kind of glum and they don't say anything. That's one scenario. Another scenario is a child comes home, they have a snack, they sit at the table and they kind of look up at you and, you know, maybe you say, hey, what, what happened today at school? And they get the sheepish look on their face and they say, well, mm-hmm. you know, I, I did this and the teacher got mad at me. I feel guilty about it. They mm-hmm. might not say I feel guilty about it, but that's different. They're telling you what they did. They realize they made a mistake, but right. it's not a statement of who they are. In that first scenario, if you had asked the child, you know, hey, I heard something happened at school. What was it? the child might say, oh, nothing, nothing, you know, or just try to avoid it because it's just evidence that they're bad. Another scenario is a child comes in and you say, hey, you know, 
the teacher emailed me. I know today was kind of hard. And the child says, I know. Can you believe it? Can you believe that Miss Smith, you know, yelled at me in the class in front of the kids? That just didn't seem fair. Mm-hmm. And that is more of a situation of what we'd call humiliation, where mm-hmm. the child recognizes it and felt uncomfortable and terrible but also feels like it was unjustified in some way. And that's right. more of an experience of humiliation. And then finally, you know, embarrassment is the third one that's kind of in this family and can get mixed up. And and that's more of, you know, when we make a mistake in this scenario, the child comes in and just says, oh my gosh, you know, can you believe I farted in class? Or, you know, <laughs> something like that, whatever it is, right? Right, right, right. So those four things are good to distinguish. And shame, of course, is very different. Yeah. Though it does get kind of, it does get tangled up because all of those are very, they're uncomfortable feelings. Right. That's exactly what I was just going to say is the one thing they all have in common is just how uncomfortable they are. And I was thinking too, as you were talking about, you know, the parent experience when, you know, when bedtime goes sideways and rather than being in our calm, self-regulated state, you know, we flip and we have a not great parenting moment. And that too, we can hold that in a, in two different ways. We can feel guilty. You know, I've made a mistake that, you know, that I was hurtful versus the self-talk of, I feel so I'm a, I'm such a bad mom. I'm such a bad mom. I'm a, I'm a really bad parent. Yeah. Yeah. And you can see how that second one, the one that's the shame is I'm bad. There's nowhere to go from there. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't help the next day when you wake up in the morning, you still feel you're feeling bad about it and there's nowhere to go. Whereas if you go, shoot, I made a mistake, you know, I feel guilty. I know I can do better. You know, the next day you wake up and you may squeeze your kid and make a little joke and just say, I'm sorry. But it's harder to say I'm sorry when it's, when you feel like it's rooted in who you are. Yeah. Does that ring true to you? It does. And what is also coming up is um, when we go to that place of shame, we don't get to model Mm-hmm. Like the opportunity to model owning your mistake, taking responsibility, making amends isn't there because we're in so much pain about how mm-hmm. terrible we are mm-hmm. that we can't move towards that opportunity, which is alive in every mistake. Like that's what I try to tell parents all the time is, you know, it's it's awesome that you're not perfect because kids need to see all of this yeah. mess cleanup modeled for them. Right. But if we're sinking into shame, that opportunity is lost. And what are we modeling then? Right. So they, that's whatever we do, obviously we're modeling as much as we hate that idea. It's true. Right. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so, you know, another thing I just think is important for people to know is that research has been done. That's found that shame is a physical pain. Mm. And so, so when you experience shame, Casey, what's, what's it feel like? How would you describe the physical sensations? Yeah, it's in my belly. Mm -hmm. It's just like tightness in my belly. And that's really the root of where it lives in my body. 
mm-hmm. it's like a curling around it. Like I like I'm curling the rest of my body just kind of seems to curl around this pain in my belly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And for me, there's like a vibrating and like a feeling like it's connected with my body, but I really want to disappear. Mm-hmm. Cause what can I do to make this go away? It's intolerable. Right. Right. So when we're carrying that around, um, you know, our children obviously learn that as well. Mm-hmm. Well, you talk about yeah. shame resilience too. So, so if we're going to shift, from, yeah. okay, we all have these, you know, all four of those, right? We're in the shame hole right now, Casey. I can't <laughs> I even we're think. Like, God, I can't get the out. <laughs> I'm like, where's my brain? Don't you love it when it, that happens? And it's just it like, goes yeah, away. it does. Yeah, suck. I'm just thinking of all the shame. <laughs> okay, great. So, so what do you do? So, shame number one, I like let's personify shame. Shame okay. loves secrecy, right? It right. loves hiding. It it doesn't want to be spoken about. Because when it's spoken about, I think of it as like being daylighted. Mm-hmm. You know, you you live in an urban area, right? No, I don't. I live out in the sticks. Oh, you do? You live I in do. the sticks? Okay. Yeah. Well, I live in Oakland. And so where we live, there's a kind of a movement. I don't know how current it is, but I think of it to daylight the creeks, mm-hmm. which means to let them come above, to, to kind of dig out the different concrete areas so that they can then you know, see the light of day and it's Mm -hmm. a lot healthier. And I like, I just think that analogy works with, with shame too. So when we daylight shame, when we, when we talk about it, like we are right now, Mm -hmm. it gets smaller. So shame resilience consists of, first of all, being aware, right? Because so often when it happens, I don't know about you, but I just want to deny it. Like, how can I just get rid of this as fast as possible and like go to sleep or just bury it or something? But yeah, I have this visual of just like, how can I push this, like a push aside, carry on warrior, like push it aside and pretend, you know, somehow get my mind off of it, pretend it's not there, move on. Right. Right. And that, you know, that's in some ways, that's a really healthy response because you do want to, you don't, shame does want to kind of put you in a hole. And so you do want to keep acting, right? You want to keep being in the world and you don't want it to stop you. So that's great. So the first thing is recognizing. So recognizing our own, you know, shame triggers Mm because shame is, Brene Brown says it's biology and biography. Mm. So we all, you know, things that shame me may not shame you at all. Right. right? And vice versa. Okay. So we all have our own things. Yeah. Hey everybody. Listen, I'm so excited to give you an update on Songfinch. Songfinch delivers. I shared last month that I was going to have them create an original song for Ian, my graduating senior. Well, the song is done And the process of co-creating it with the artist on Songfinch was so cool. I got to provide details and ideas. And then the musician of my choice wrote up the lyrics, put it to the music that I picked. And the results are so cool. I can't wait to surprise Ian with it. I will be sure to record it and share it with all of you. Songfinch is an innovative service that lets you create an original 
radio quality song inspired by your own life and the people you love. It's completely unique, personal, and it lasts forever. After moving through their process, you get the final results in four to seven days. For a limited time, Songfinch is letting our listeners upload their song to Spotify for free. So you and the lucky person you gift it to can listen to it anywhere, anytime. Whether your song is for Father's Day, an upcoming graduation, wedding, or anniversary, or even just a gift to show your loved one how much you care. Start your song now to lock in one of Songfinch's top artists. Go to songfinch.com slash joyful and start your song. After you purchase, you'll be prompted to add Spotify streaming for your original song for free, which is a $50 value. Again, my URL is songfinch.com slash joyful. Don't forget to share your song with us too. songfinch.com slash joyful. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Thank God. Spring into summer is my favorite time of year. After turning 50 last September, I've been really working on my physical health and well-being and can honestly say that I am feeling better in my body than I have felt in a very long time. Yes, credit goes to movement and working out, but even more credit goes to how I'm feeding my body. That's why I love Factor. I fuel up with Factor's no prep, no mess meals, 35 different meal choices, and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week. I always have a new flavor to explore. It's amazing. You can crush your wellness goals this May, keep time in the kitchen to a minimum, and enjoy effortless support for the lifestyle you want to be living with dietitian approved meals and ingredients you can trust from Factor. Head over to factormeals.com slash joyful50 and use the code joyful50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code joyful50 at factormeals.com slash joyful50. Again, that's 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Yes, yes, yes. Join me. Join me in the health revolution and feel really good this summer. And So just knowing what those things are, wrapping our heads around that is good. Practicing critical awareness, like I talked about before. So reality checking the messages and the expectations that are driving your shame. Um, Are they realistic? Mm -hmm. So would this be a good place? Because I talk about this a little bit with parents just in context of their relationship with their kids and how they're responding to behavior. But I could see how it would be helpful in this scenario, too, noticing noticing patterns in language that show up in self-talk and Mm. practicing pausing when you hear that language Mm. and then looking for counter evidence. Mm -hmm. That's great, Casey. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's I think that's really great. And kind of what I'm going through now is a little bit more what grownups can do for themselves. Right. Totally. But I think, yeah, but yes, this is all going to trickle down. Right. And then, so reaching out, having that story, whatever it is, and reaching out to somebody that you're close to, that you can really trust. And again, this is important that it's the right person. So I've cultivated a group of a small group of women that we call ourselves the shame sisters. Mm -hmm. And um, 
we like to meet periodically and we talk about shame. And when a shame issue comes up, you know, we'll email each other and say, hey, do you have time for a quick shame share? Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's basically saying, you know, I want to tell you this happened. And I was trying to think of some examples that I could share with you today. And I realized there is one that I still have. But what I realized is when we do this, it's not like they're gone right away. Right. But they do, they do go. Whereas if we don't share them, if we keep them and like you said, kind of do the bypass and Mm -hmm. move on, they can be there and they can linger. And then the next time that scenario comes up again, zing, Mm -hmm. right? So reaching out and cultivating with people that you trust, and it's not going to be that person who says, oh my God, you did that? Yeah, don't go to that person. <laughs> Not that person. And also, don't go to the person who just says, oh my God, Casey, don't worry about it. You're so wonderful. I mean, you just kick ass all the time. Don't even think about it. Yeah, because that's not helpful either. And plus, if we're in our shame hole, it's the what I notice in that scenario when I'm trying to share something like that. Yeah. The self-talk becomes, oh, clearly you're not getting it. Right. You don't understand and you're just blowing smoke. Yeah, and they may be they they don't want to they don't want to see you vulnerable. Right. Some people don't have a tolerance for your, you know, sharing vulnerability. So they've put you in a certain place. So it's got to mm-hmm. be somebody who's okay with seeing you vulnerable, right? Mm-hmm. Cuz that's what this is. Mm-hmm. So reaching out and then speaking shame. Mm-hmm. So having it be part of our part of our language, part of our daily. It's not something we hide under the rug. It's something that we talk about. So sharing stories or what happens, you can end up, you know, kind of laughing about it, but you know, not everything maybe is worthy of sharing, but you know, with your family, but, but trying to come up with examples that are good or when they're in a dark place, you Mm -hmm. know, just delving in and seeing what's going on. Um, so I do have this list of how to encourage shame resilience in Mm -hmm. our children. Mm -hmm. And I want to emphasize that we, especially when our kids are little, I think we want it to be, we want it to be perfect. We want their lives to be perfect. So we might not use that word, but we do. Right. 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 Um, we want them to be shame resistant. You know, I'm going to build this kid who's got this just great self-esteem and, you know, never questions themselves. Well, they're never going to bully anybody. And they're always going to just say no. <laughs> and they're going to be an ally to everybody, Oh, yes. Right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. Yes, they're superhuman. Yeah, right? totally. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, that's not going to happen. So we want to build shame resilience. Right. And I like um, that you use that word versus resistance, because I think it goes back to what you said about Brené Brown talking about it's part of our, our biology, mm-hmm. right? It's a part of our biology in alignment with you know, the stories that, and experiences and relationships of our life. So if we're going to, you know, being in resilience, I feel like there's um, space there for us to dance with shame Mm -hmm. versus Mm -hmm. no, there's no room for you right here. And having it be more of this like inner battle. Right. Yeah. So I appreciate that. It's real, right? It's real. This is real life. Yeah, totally. This is the real deal. So I, I find this all to be a big relief, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a big relief. So 
one thing we can do, and we've we've talked about this today already, but talk about and distinguish shame and guilt. Mm-hmm. And even as young as kids four and five, you can talk about that because they know. They know mm-hmm. what these things are. You don't have to make it big and heavy, but it could maybe be in, in a book or, you know, when they have certain things happen. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, inquire in a light way. And then in your own language, separate children from their behaviors mm-hmm. rather than saying you're bad you're like, oh, you did something bad or, oh, you made a big mistake, right? Mm-hmm. We can think of lots of examples of that. Yeah. You know, I think a lot of us are good at that these days, distinguishing the behavior. And sometimes I got a little irritated last night. Can I speak about some shame that I have right now? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I take my 11-year-old shopping for clothes for spring break. He's going to see my parents and they're very fancy. And so I always have to go buy my kids new clothes so they can have the right things to wear. And he wore one of the brand new white shirts to football practice yesterday. And guess what? It was super muddy. And so when he told me that, he just kind of threw it out there like, well, you know, I was wearing one of my new shirts. And I was like, what? What? I mean, it would just blew my mind that he wouldn't because he changed everything else. Like, why would you wear one of your brand new shirts to football practice. Why would you do that? And he, (laughs) when I think about his response, Lisa, it was totally head down. He put his hands in his lap. He stopped eating his dinner. Like I pushed him right into feeling shame. Yeah. Yeah, I did. Yeah. And and uh, later on, we talked about it and um, I'm, and I'm so excited we're having this conversation right now because I'm going to talk to him about this conversation and about how that all went down last night and make some distinctions between him and his behavior and guilt and shame. And it's actually going to be a great opportunity for both of us to learn and grow. Yeah. And Casey, that's such a good example because it's so every day. I mean, we can all relate to that. It's It reminds me of this saying that I love that children's priorities are not our priorities, right? Truth, yes. And and sometimes it's so wonderful to kind of realize that and it can be a big relief. And of course he didn't do it. I don't know him, but he didn't do it on purpose, right? He just did it because it didn't even cross his mind. Yeah. Didn't even cross didn't even cross his mind. He already had the shirt on. He didn't take off his sweatshirt after school. Like he already, you know. Yeah, of (laughs) course, of course. We get it. And your reaction is so natural. Right. And so, again, you know, I I love that you share that example. And you can always press the reset button. You know, you can have this conversation and, hey, this is life. And, hey, you know, you didn't maybe say the perfect thing as a parent. Mm -hmm. And you guys have a connection. So you get to continue this conversation. Right. And that's another thing, piece, too, that I think is so powerful when you've adopted positive discipline in your family. So me bringing it up today and kind of reframing it and talking about it and and having an open dialogue about it with him is very much the way that we roll Mm -hmm. in our house. So yeah, Mm -hmm. it it will definitely um, land and it will be powerful for both of us. Yeah. And and it's powerful that you're learning and growing, right? There's no end to that. Gets to see that. Yeah. It's wonderful. (laughs) Another thing is normalizing our child's experience. So, Mm -hmm. you know, me too. I did that too. If they have 
you know, some kind of thing that, you know, is maybe a shaming experience to open it up. Mm -hmm. I've done that too. Giving children many opportunities to feel significance and belonging because shame is inextricably linked with the fear of being unlovable. I love that. I mean, I don't love the unlovable part, but yeah, I love how aligned this is with what we, yes, what we teach. So yeah, the more our kids can, um, roll up their sleeves and be part of the family, whether it's just making their own lunch or, you know, walking the dog, whatever they do to contribute is all stuff that's going to make them more shame resilient. Doesn't Mm -hmm. that ring true to you? Mm -hmm. Totally. And then one of my favorite positive discipline tools, again, is this idea of the message of love Mm -hmm. that, you know, you had that experience last night with your son. And so in that moment, the message of love didn't necessarily, wasn't leading the way, right? (laughs) No, it was not. (laughs) It wasn't leading the way because you're stressed about your parents, you know, you're, Oh yeah, there's layers and layers there. We all get it. And so, so now today you get to come back around again with this, you know, huge message of love and connection and all of that. And again, Casey, back to your story, mistakes are opportunities to learn. Absolutely. So the more we can convey that to our children through our own behavior, they will get that. Mm-hmm. Um, the other positive discipline things were just using empathy with our kids connecting around our children's feelings rather than trying to fix them. I love that. And That's we, such an I had going. Yeah. Thing, I did right? a, a, back in March, I had a podcast that was all about empathy with Melissa Benaroya and it, and people really resonated with it. And so can we hold on to empathy for a minute and look, go back to, finding that person to speak our shame to. So we talked about, you know, the people not to pick, right? The ones that minimize or the ones that, you know, are shocked by our shame. When thinking about who can I speak this with or thinking about like, how do we, if we're the receiver, right? If someone comes to us and speaks to us about shame that they're struggling with, you know, what what is the response? And I'm guessing like, empathy is what shows up. You know, I think this is really interesting and really, uh, really a good topic. So yes, empathy is important. So empathy sounds like I understand, or I've been there too, right? Mm -hmm. Or that sounds really hard. Mm -hmm. Sometimes somebody will come to you with something that maybe you really can't relate to, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's worse than you've experienced. Right. And that's, you don't have to have had the same experience as somebody else to be there and be a support. Mm -hmm. You can, you, it's all about, have you had that experience of shame? Right. So you go to that underneath, like, wow, maybe I didn't, you know, have X, Y, and Z have like, my husband didn't leave me and right. You know, all these other things, but I know that dark place. Right. So sometimes people get confused and think, God, well, I really can't relate, but we really all do have that human connection of Mm -hmm. this source of shame. And sometimes we don't feel that we do because we're pushing it away. Mm -hmm. And that can block us from, from being truly empathetic with other people. So I do, I do think there's 
multiple reasons to get in touch with our own shame and not certainly not cultivate our shame, but be be aware of it. And mm-hmm. I, of course, you know, as a coach, I always think it's helpful to personify these gremlins that we have. And shame is certainly the monster, I'd say the king of all gremlins. Mm-hmm. So to become aware of that. So when we're listening to, yeah, empathize and just really be a space, hold that space for mm-hmm. that person. And then the other thing, maybe part of your question, and I, I wonder, you probably have some good ideas about this. How do we cultivate these kind of relationships? Mm. Yeah. Because not all of us, you know, not all of us have these kinds of friends or we have friends, but we haven't talked about these things. So how do we start that? Do you have ideas? <laughs> um, well, <laughs> I, you know, I think that it's really, I think that there's like gentle, like I'm, I'm imagining like put dipping my toe in the water, mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know, like just like a, like gentle ways of kind of testing the water. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it really speaks into quality of relationship and, you know, the more that we can be vulnerable with the people that we care about, the more the space opens for vulnerability. Mm -hmm. Like we get to Mm -hmm. be the models and the invitation Mm -hmm. in the way that we hold the space in our relationships. Mm -hmm. I feel really blessed by my friendships. Mm -hmm. And there's Mm -hmm. definitely people that I don't, you know, there's a variety of, um, of types of, of friendships that I have, but I do feel like I have a a pretty amazing tribe. And I think part of it is because I show up extremely open. So -hmm. that's just kind of the way it is. Yeah. And vulnerability invites, invites that. And then people who aren't, who aren't drawn to that or who aren't ready, you know, it's very clear. Not everybody is my people. (laughs) <laughs> Even though I want join. everyone. <laughs> join the club. Yeah. Join and the I club. try really hard not to take that personally because it's not about me. But anyway. <laughs> right. Right. That's another class. Right. I'll, I'll hire you for some coaching around that. That's another class. Yeah. So, yeah, I think I love that you, you're talking about vulnerability because that's, that's the heart of this really is being willing to be vulnerable. And I think it's cool to be explicit with people, mm-hmm. if you have a friend that you kind of, if you want to start exploring shame and this idea of having a shame sister or brother that you could call, you know, you guys could read the daring way together. Mm-hmm. You know, you could do something, set up something and then say, Hey, let's try and really practice this. Let's, you know, let's call each other once a week and, you know, check in for 15 minutes about this. Yeah. Because then you can more naturally make it part of your work or, you know, just your parenting every day. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. So when you, you sent me a little information um, before we had this call and one of the quotes that was in the information, it just was so powerful to me. And so I'm going to share it. Parenting is one of the strongest predictor variables of whether someone is going to grow up being shame shame or guilt prone, which we talked a little bit about. It's not only how we are talking in front of them, but our own experience of shame and how we deal with it on a regular basis. So I love this because, you know, I know that when we step in front of a group of parents to do a live training, 
you know, we start off with that conversation around there's the doing and there's the being, Mm-hmm. Right. And that's really what I, I want to pull out of this conversation is, you know, you're sharing tools and steps for growing shame resilience, both in ourselves and in our children. And there's something to said about how we be, mm-hmm. right, how we mm-hmm. be with shame, how we be with someone else who is in their own shame spiral um, and I think that that is so equally as important. Yeah. This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. So as the weather warms up, we're outside gardening or doing yard work. There are so many opportunities for skin issues, right? And for me, it's always a mystery to know what's going to irritate my skin, but I'm definitely out there itching and scratching. But the good news is active skin repair always seems to save the day. Active skin repair can be used to treat a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, and other types of skin damage. It's also safe and non-toxic, making it suitable for use on all skin types, all parts of the body, and even on rosacea, eczema, and acne-prone skin. Here's what I want you to do. Visit ActiveSkinRepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair and get 20% off your order when you use code JOYFUL. Again, that's www.ActiveSkinRepair.com. Find out more about the product and get 20% off your order when you use the code JOYFUL. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us. So can I share a little story? Yeah. A parenting thing. I'm thinking yes. about, um, you know, let's say, I don't know, it was like six months ago. My son was playing video games. He's 16 and um, he's in the basement, you know, classic scenario, playing video <laughs> games. And um, he had done, finished all this work or something. So he had said to us like, you guys, I'm, this is my time. Like I'm doing this and just don't bother me. Right. And it doesn't happen that much. So it's like, okay. But then at one point in the day, I thought, I, I want to see this kid. So I went down there and I said, hey, let come. why don't you come and walk the dog with me? And he said, mom, mom, remember, this is what I'm doing today, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and I said, you know, sweetie, I just want to spend a little time with you. Come on, don't you want to just come out and walk around the block with me? And he looked at me and he said, mom, you're making me feel guilty. Is that what you want to do? <laughs> <laughs> Were you like, and better was, than shame? I was like, yeah, that's kind of what I want to do. I was like, that's good. That's good. I want to make you feel guilty. 
so then I think I went and, and he didn't come with me. But what I just want to do like a shame thing. Mm-hmm. So if let's say the same scenario and I went down there and I said, you know, sweetie, come on, come for a walk with me. Let's just, it's a beautiful day. And he said, no, mom, I'm playing video games. And I said, honey, what is wrong with you? You're always mm-hmm. playing video games. I'm just asking you to go for a walk with me. You never spend any time with me. Mm-hmm. Um, what I want to get at is that the root of that is when we're shaming like that, mm-hmm. to me, and I, and I haven't really explored this, but I, I want to talk about it with you. To me, the difference is, is that second me in that shame scenario, I'm not complete. Mm-hmm. I'm needing something from him, and I'm putting that shame on him because there's something that I'm missing. Mm-hmm. In the first scenario, I'm excited to go walk the dog, right. and I just want his company. And so do you see, do you feel the difference? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I feel the difference. It's the second time around. It was how it was like, there was this piece of how could you do this to me? Yeah. And I imagine like our walk would be kind of gloomy. Yeah. Yes. So maybe I would force him, but I I just kind of wanted to get at that. What, so what it tells me is that we just need to keep coming back to ourselves and not in a selfish way, but our own kind of not looking for our children to complete us, Mm -hmm. but finding that joy in ourselves. Yeah, I love it. So I don't know if that speaks to that quote, but... Well, I think it does. And I think it leads me to to another question, which is, so finding that joy in ourselves, what kinds of personal practices do you have, Lisa, or do you, or your shame sisters, or the parents that you work with, or your clients, what personal practices do you all engage in kind of on a daily basis that's going to grow that inner peace that grows the the yeah. empathy and the and the awareness. Yeah, well I do think we've talked about some of that for me I do have a mo- a monthly group that mm-hmm. meets and that's a very concrete place to to daylight air all this stuff and, right. and to share stories. You know, the other thing is that's just really huge is building our own awareness, building our own vocabulary just noticing when we feel guilty, when we mm-hmm. feel shame. And when we feel shame, paying attention to that mm-hmm. and um, not just pushing it aside. At some point, stopping and saying, that felt really, really, uh, that it feels actually really, really bad and I need to talk to somebody. Mm-hmm. What about noticing, because I think that we talk about this a lot and it comes up a lot, you know, the awareness when it's, when the shame is, is present, but what about getting ever more aware of what joy feels like and for, and what like inner peace feels like so that when we are looking to shift out of shift from one place to another, it becomes, it's a familiar place to be. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's really important. And, um, you know, so much of it about is about really, you know, taking risks with heart, you know, Mm -hmm. that that's one of the things about joyful courage, right? The courage is good leading in (laughs) the courage is taking the risks. And like you said earlier, just kind of moving ahead and doing it, Mm -hmm. but doing it with your full being and, 
I've, um, the last couple of years, I've had some very significant deaths in mm-hmm. my life. Mm-hmm. And I think in so many ways, it's it's been a gift because, you know, it, it does highlight joy. It highlights the simple joy of being alive mm-hmm. and how I am able to be more grateful just that I have this gift of life, which mm-hmm. isn't going to last forever. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, losing people who are close to us, I think that's the upside is that we go, wow, this is this is temporary, this life. It really is. Yeah. I think when we get caught in the swirl of parenting, you know, we can beam really, we can beam in, right? Oh yeah. Tunnel vision much? <laughs> we can tunnel, we can tunnel, but you know, other, these other bigger issues help us beam out. And that certainly helps, that helps the joy helps with shame and, mm-hmm. you know, getting perspective. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Will you tell listeners where they can find you, Lisa, and follow your work? Sure, Casey. I'm at www.lisafullercoaching.com. And, um, you know, I write a blog. Recently, I've been a little out of that practice, but I'm going <laughs> to... You and me I'm, both. <laughs> I'm starting that up again. <laughs> I love to write a blog. Um, I, I do classes. I do have one virtual offering that is only for parents who've already taken any parent who's already taken a class with you, Casey. Mm-hmm. I have a virtual monthly support group that with Marcelie Smith Boyle, we meet once a month and it's to just keep people feeling that, um, injection of positive discipline. I love that you do that. And listeners, you'll remember Marcelie from January. She was on and we talked about the brain science behind positive discipline. So I love that you two team up together and offer support for parents. Yeah, it's, it's wonderful. It's wonderful to get that support. So that's the big thing with all of this is we can't do any of it alone, right? Yeah. We need, we need our connections and, and the vulnerable yeah. connections just make it all the more rich. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Thanks for taking the time to come on and share with all of us. I so appreciate you. And listeners, all of those links to Lisa's website and her blog and her um, that virtual class she's talking about doing with Marcelie, I'll make sure all of those links are in the show notes. Casey, thank you so much. It's been really nice to talk to you. Wow, it was it was really an honor to have Lisa on and to have that really important conversation. Um, I think that you know we are so connected and so isolated at the same time today with social media and the different ways that we can connect electronically, um, and it's really easy to put up a front and um, for people to get the feeling you know, to, to show like fulfillment and, you know, I'm so great and everything's clean and my kids are amazing and life is so good, you know? And, and I don't even know that we do this intentionally. Like I'm going to trick everyone into thinking that I'm okay, but I just don't think that we always are super motivated to say, Hey, I'm having a really mediocre day or, Oh wow. I just had a really bad parenting moment. 
Um, however, I do have some really special friends that do love to post those things and post it with such humor that I value them deeply, deeply, deeply. But I think for the most part, we kind of keep those things to ourselves. And and one of the big takeaways from the conversation that I just had with Lisa for me is that shame lives and thrives in secrecy. And it is so important for us to develop relationships with people that can be our shame shields, that can be our our shame sisters, like what Lisa said, people that we know we can share with and they're not going to gloss over it with, oh, you're fine or you're so good or you're so great or don't worry or freak out, like not be able to handle it. Like we really need to find those people that we can connect with in a real and authentic way. And that really landed for me in this conversation. And um, I'm so excited to be sharing it with all of you. And I, I would love to know what your takeaways are because this is an ongoing, um, this is ongoing. This, is, this isn't just something you deal with and it goes away or, you know, you have this one little shame episode and then you never have another one again. Like this is the human experience, right? And something that I took away, that I've taken away from what I know about Brené Brown's work is that she talks about there being two different types of people, right? We all have shame. We all intersect with shame. And yet there's two different things that we can do with it. And one is, um, you know, one response is, is really deep feelings of unworthiness, of scarcity, um, of blame, of fear, kind of this dark place that we can go to with shame. And then there's a whole other group of people that recognize shame and share it, are authentic about it, are willing to be vulnerable despite the risk of what that means. Um, and those people really create joy and happiness in their life, contentment, connection. So my um, encouragement to you today is to listen to this conversation more than once if you need to, because I think you'll get layers will unfold each time you listen to it and really uh, take stock and check in and, and, and take an honest look at what you're creating in your life. Are you someone who is an isolator? Are you withholding? Are you keeping that shame squashed down so that it's ultimately, you know, creating in creation of your autopilot? Like, are your conversations defeating conversations? Are your conversations something that pile on the shame? Or are you looking for ways to let go and to be in in connection with others? Are you willing to be vulnerable even though it's super uncomfortable? Are you willing to take those risks so as to open up your life to more possibility? Um, yeah. Yeah. I just love this topic. I'm so glad Lisa wanted to come on and talk about it. And I can't wait to see what the discussion is that is generated because of the podcast. So if you have some things to share, if you're excited and you want to talk about your takeaways from the show, jump on over to the Live in Love with Joyful Courage Facebook group. You'll ask to join. I will accept you. And we're having some great conversations over there. So I'd love for you to join us. You can also like Joyful Courage on Facebook. I've got a business page. Joyful underscore courage is on Instagram and Joyful Courage is on Twitter. So there's a few different places that you can find me and be in conversation about this work. 
do it. I would love it. It would be so amazing. And um, I'm just, just happy. It's spring break and it's getting slightly warmer up here in the Pacific Northwest. We actually had gorgeous sunshine yesterday, but of course it's gray today. The sunshine will return. I trust that. Uh, I love you. I love you. If this was a powerful conversation to you, please share it. Share it with your friends and family. Share it on your social media. If you are listening to this podcast through a link in my website, I would really encourage you to actually subscribe. And you don't subscribe on the website. What you do instead is you can go to iTunes, into iTunes and search for the Joyful Courage podcast. Once you pull it up, there'll be a little button that says subscribe. If you are not a Mac user, iPhone user, you can also find the Joyful Courage podcast on Google Play. So there's multiple ways of subscribing. And the benefit of subscribing is that some of the shows that I do, I do not post on my website. Some of the shows are kind of bonus shows for people that are subscribed. Um, Also, you automatically get everything that I publish on the podcast. It will automatically come to you when it's published through your subscription. So you don't have to wait to see a post about it on Facebook or whatever. You can actually automatically get it. And then you'll be all up to date on all the shows. And I'm sure you heard me at the beginning. This is show 87. So if you're just discovering the podcast, welcome. I'm so glad. I'm so thankful that you found me. And just know that there is a lot of beautiful conversation that I've had with a variety of people on a variety of topics, mostly pertaining to parenting. And I would just say, explore, explore it, Um, check it out. You will never be disappointed in the conversations that we have here at Joyful Courage. They are all really exciting, empowering, inspiring, informing, educating, awesome. All right. So check it out. Okay, my friends, I love you, each and every one of you so much. And uh, I'll see you soon. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play. And we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips.